You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our second Myth Pilgrim exploration on Chinese philosophy and how it can illuminate Catholic teaching, especially teaching we've forgotten here in the West. In episode 32, I used Kung Fu Panda to explore how Taoist principles can shed light on the active and passive dimensions of prayer, and also how Confucian principles remind us about the centrality of the master pupil discipleship in our spiritual life. Well, this episode will be exploring some more timely Chinese wisdom, borrowing from Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Man, I tell you, when I watched this for the first time, so many inspirations were firing off in my mind. Aside from being an entertaining, thrilling, funny and surprisingly moving Marvel, the worldview of the film was thoroughly Chinese in a way Western audiences may not pick up initially. But at the same time, it was extremely satisfying watching as a Christian too. Themes of redemption, sin, family, salvation and vocational discernment are interwoven with the traditional Chinese themes of yin and yang, honouring one's parents and of achieving harmony with the cosmos. This episode, I will focus on one key truth this film can teach us. How the Taoist understanding of the masculine and the feminine can become a healing balm for our society today. Curious? Me too. Let's recap the story first in super quick strokes. For brevity's sake, I will leave out some of the side characters. Around a thousand years ago, a man named Wen Wu discovers the mystical Ten Rings which grants him immortality and godlike powers. He establishes a thug organization, conquering kingdoms and toppling governments throughout history. In 1996, Wen Wu searches for the fabled Ta Lo village, which was said to harbour mythical beasts. He travels through a magical forest to the village entrance, but is stopped by the beautiful Ying Li. After a brief duel, he realises that Ying Li's fluid, gentle fighting style was polar opposite to his, and he was unable to better her, and the two actually fall in love. Through her, Wen Wu discovers a meaning and a balance in his life he had never experienced before. But when the Ta Lo villagers reject Wen Wu because of his brutality and power-seeking past, Ying Li chooses to abandon her own village and to leave with him. They marry and have two children, a boy named Shang Chi and a girl named Xia Ling. Because of his love for his wife and family, Wen Wu abandons his thug organization ways and swears to lock away the Ten Rings forever. When Shang-Chi is seven years old, Ying Li is tragically murdered by some of Wen Wu's old enemies. Heartbroken and distressed, Wen Wu puts on the Ten Rings once again, massacres the Iron Gang murderers and resumes leadership of his old organization. He makes Shang-Chi undergo brutal training in the martial arts while promptly ignoring his daughter totally. When Shang-Chi is 14, 
Wen Wu sends him to assassinate the Iron Gang's leader. But after completing his mission, a traumatized Shang-Chi runs away to San Francisco and adopts a new identity. His sister also runs away, but to Macau. Fast forward 10 years or so, and a chain of events leads the adult Shang-Chi, his sister and Katie, Shang-Chi's best friend, to be forcefully reunited with their father and his thug organization. They are taken to the compound, where Wen Wu explains that he has heard his late wife calling to him and believes that she is still alive and being held captive in the magical village of Ta Lo behind a sealed gate. He plans to destroy the magical village unless they release her. When his children object, he imprisons them, but they escape and go to the magical Ta Lo themselves. There they meet Ying Li's sister and Shang-Chi's aunt, who explains to them the history of Ta Lo. Thousands of years ago, the universe containing the village was attacked by the soul-consuming demon called the Dweller in Darkness. Um, but they were saved by a Chinese dragon called the Great Protector, who helped seal the demon behind the Dark Gate, a gate that has remained sealed since. But apparently, it was the demon who had been impersonating Ying Li's voice recently, so that Wen Wu would use the Ten Rings to open the gate. Wen Wu, convinced it really is his wife calling him, prepares to open the gate by force. Wen Wu and his thugs arrive and attack. Initially, Wen Wu overpowers his son and using his rings blasts him down into the village lake and then he proceeds to attack the dark gate with the rings. This allows some of the demon's minions to escape. In the meantime, a drowning and unconscious Shang-Chi has visions of his mother's final promise for him. And at that moment, at the bottom of the lake, he awakens the great protector, the dragon guardian of the dark gate. Together with Shang-Chi, it magnificently rises again from the depths and joins the battle against the demons. Wen Wu and Shang-Chi fight again once more, but this time Shang-Chi gains the upper hand and using techniques learned from his mother, manages to obtain half the rings of his father, but then by the end of the fight, all of them. But instead of killing his father, he chooses instead to cast down the rings and to spare his life. The Dweller in Darkness demon escapes fully at that moment and attacks Shang-Chi, but his father dives forward and saves his son's life in the nick of time, and is then himself snatched away by the great demon. With a final look of love and remorse, the dying Wen Wu bequeaths his son the Ten Rings before having his own soul taken by the demon. Armed now with the Ten Rings and a deep spiritual connection with the dragon, Shang-Chi, his sister, and Katie manage to kill the Dweller in Darkness demon once and for all. Peace is restored to the village of Talo, and heroes and martyrs are honoured in a final ceremony. So there's a story in brief. <laughs> it's pretty epic. And gosh, there's a lot of awesome stuff to unpack in there, so let's dive in. You know, it's no secret that in our society today, the categories of male and female are being dismantled and redefined in a way that it has never been before. I speak not only of so-called gender fluidity, a big topic in itself, but also of the characteristics and roles of men and women in the natural order. There is such a wounding these days that rather than encouraging men to become healthier men and women to become healthier women, we see either a sort of conflation of both genders, or at worst, a sort of confusion 
where masculinity becomes effeminate and tame, and femininity becomes macho and domineering. Anyway, without needing to go into the social commentary on it all, I would suggest that these days, it is our mythologies and fairy tales which act as the final bastions of truth that still, by definition, maintains that there is a difference between men and women, while at the same time celebrating their difference. All over our mythical stories of every culture and every generation, the archetypes of the masculine and the feminine are stamped in. Think of the classical images of sun and moon, day and night. There's the strength of the Greek god Ares, yes, but also the nurturing love of the goddess Demeter. There's the regal wisdom of the Chinese Jade Emperor, but also the compassionate mercy of the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin. Think how refreshing it is when the complementarity of men and women are portrayed in even modern myths like Avatar the Last Airbender, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. See, this is why I feel mythology has a particular appeal in our culture today, particularly Eastern mythology, because at least at the moment, they still greatly honour these gender archetypes. And while they do, such stories will remain eminently attractive, far more attractive than the confused, wishy-washy conflation of modern cinema, crippled by woke culture. Okay, why am I saying all this? Because I believe that Shang-Chi the movie exemplifies par excellence the beauty of both masculinity and femininity. Right from the start of the movie, you see Shang-Chi's parents duel and then fall in love, which actually turns their combat into more of a dance, really. A dance, what? <laughs> dance, a dance, dance. Um, those of you who listened to the Kung Fu Panda episode may remember me presenting the yin and yang symbol as an appropriate reminder for us Catholics to live a life that embraces paradox. Today, I want to focus on how the yin and yang offers our times timely wisdom about what it means to be male and female. For in Lao Tzu's Taoist thought, yin actually represents feminine traits like gentleness, passivity, creativity, light and the inner self, whereas yang represents masculine traits like strength, activity, intellect and the outer self. As we continue for the rest of this episode, I invite you to be reflecting, currently in my life, am I more yang or yin dominated? Starting in the opening fight scene between Shang-Chi's parents, Wen Wu represents chaotic yang energy, while Ying Li is a well-balanced yin energy. Wen Wu is strong, powerful, determined, unyielding and out of control. In contrast, Ying Li is supple, creative and flowing. This is firstly evident in their martial arts style, with Wen Wu's style resembling the tight aggressive fist jabs of something like Wing Chun, while Ying Li is much more graceful and flowing in Tai Chi. Wen Wu wields the cold, hard iron of the rings, while Ying Li uses the wind and elements around her. But their complementarity is also evident in their character. Whereas Wen Wu was determined and independent, Ying Li was much more free-flowing and humble like water. But here's the thing, and this is very important. Whereas Wen Wu represents an unbalanced yang, Ying Li is a well-balanced yin. The two characters are not polar opposites, even in this scene at the start. Now, I suggest Ying Li represents a well-balanced yin, 
because while she is clearly feminine, she demonstrates that she has integrated the yang part of herself too. After all, she exemplifies firmness and courage, being the guardian of the Ta Lo village. She is also level-headed in a crisis, as is evident in the scene where she chooses to sacrifice herself to protect her children. When Wen Wu first meets Ying Li, he is attracted not only because she is a Yin, but because she is an integrated Yin. In his own words, quote, "She showed me a part of myself I didn't know was there." Like I was seeing the world for the first time. End quote. Through her, he learns to embrace his own inner yin, and this is evident in the way he learns to develop his love and playfulness for his family. Even his clothes change from his cold, iconic black to a softer hue of white and greys. Through the presence of his wife, Wen Wu becomes well balanced, and hence. Feels the need to put away the rings, not needing to assert his strength anymore. These ideas are very important for our times. The Bible demonstrates to us that healthy masculinity is not simply being all macho. Rather, a healthy man is one who has integrated the feminine within himself, even while never losing anything that makes him masculine. A man should still be yang dominated. Strong, intelligent, determined, etc., but also to learn to be compassionate, tender, and patient. Jesus himself was like this, and he is masculinity par excellence. At the same time, healthy, authentic femininity is a woman who is able to integrate the masculine within herself, even while never losing anything that makes her feminine. A woman should still be yin dominated. Gentle, nurturing, and humble, but also learn to become strong and firm and courageous. Mother Mary was like these, and I must say, the one thing that struck me most about the entire Shang Chi movie is how much Ying Li really captures the essence of what Mary would have been like, and how she continues to be like even after she is no longer physically with us.、Mm. But I digress a little. What I want to say is that. The appropriately proportioned yin within men, and the appropriately proportioned yang within women, is actually captured in the yin and yang symbol. For even where the symbol is most yang, there is a small dot of yin in the midst, and where the symbol is the most yin, there is a small dot of yang. Only when yin and yang are allowed to coexist internally within a person can our relationships externally be well balanced. And so, symbolically, Wen Wu and Ying Li's love for one another produces harmony, and the result: new life is born, two children, who would symbolically be the perfect balance of both yin and yang, right? Well, disaster soon strikes, and Ying Li is tragically murdered. The result for Wen Wu and his two children is the symbolic loss of yin, the feminine principle in their life. The effects are immediate. When we almost immediately snaps back to his old ways of being possessed by Yang, becoming powerful and angry and passionate and hell bent upon revenge of his wife's loss, after obtaining this justice, he trains the boy Shang Chi to do the same. Under his father's influence, Shang Chi learns every technique of fighting style under the sun. He is trained by his father to believe that his one goal was to avenge his mother's killer, but he never follows his father's path exactly. 
First of all, he retains familial loyalty towards his sister, a characteristic yin trait that Wenwu throws out after his wife's death, detaching from both his children. Then, after the assassination, Shang-Chi chooses to flee from his father, effectively turning father and son into enemies. This sets the scene of the central drama of the story, about how, after losing mum, Shang-Chi learns to integrate yin back into his life and thus achieve internal balance. This sets the scene for the central drama of the story, about how, even after losing mother and wife, the main characters learn to integrate yin back into their life again and thus achieve balance. Wenwu goes about this the wrong way and the effects become fatal for him. He externalises the pursuit of yin, thinking that it's something outside himself that can make him whole. After all, fighting, grasping and possessiveness are all yang features. The chief characteristic of yin, on the other hand, is always letting go and acceptance. The journey of Shang-Chi, on the other hand, is a far richer journey, and it's what makes the story so compelling to watch. While he is initially brainwashed into following his father's yang path, he chooses to flee. Though he begins somewhat as a coward, his running away to San Francisco is a sign of moving on and letting go. He accepts the tragedy of the past, whereas his father still held on. But as Shang-Chi's painful past comes back to haunt him, he still must learn to balance his father's fierce yang with his mother's gentle yin. His love for Katie and his sister is a sign of this. The mercy he shows his father is also indicative of the growing yin within him. And all this time, his mother's influence continues to guide him. I simply love how she, who hardly had any screen time, was such a spirit and presence across the entire film, indicative again of Mother Mary, and how influential and compelling and powerful true femininity is. As a boy, his mother had promised Shang-Chi, when you have the heart of our dragon, you too can do amazing things. The moment this promise comes true was the moment Shang-Chi finally integrates both yin and yang perfectly when he finally confronts his father. Plunging into the lake, he discovers the great dragon there who literally breathes life back into him, and together they rise from the waters as one rises from the waters of baptism, reborn and clothed with supernatural power. The magnificence and power of the dragon is symbolic of what a person looks like when yin and yang have finally been fully integrated. Notice that in the climax of the film, Shang-Chi actually uses yin-style martial arts to disarm his father, and then yang-style martial arts to destroy the dweller-in-darkness demon. And what a sight it is to behold, someone who has integrated both yin and yang. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, please subscribe to it so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. If you'd like to be notified by email every time a new episode is released, hop onto the website at themythpilgrim.com to register. As a practical pilgrim reflection, 
I'd actually suggest reading either the first few chapters of the Gospel of Matthew or of Luke to get a deeper appreciation of how integrated Mary and Joseph were as men and women archetypes. Observe how both exemplify the Catholic traits of their sex, while at the same time clearly integrating the equivalent opposite as well. For example, meditate on the humility of Mary, yes, but also her strength, while also meditating on the strength of Joseph, but also on his humility. And I will leave a link to the appropriate Bible passages in the show notes and on the Myth Pilgrim website. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode diving into Chinese philosophy, and hopefully it's something that's inspiring and relevant for you as well. Until next time, dear pilgrims, journey forth, take care, and God bless.